Wheel of Fortune! If you are old enough, or if you have a penchant for watching vintage television materials on YouTube, you will recognize that as the audience chanting at the beginning of a game show called Wheel of Fortune! And honestly, I don't remember that much about it. I was very young. I wasn't really allowed to watch TV. But I have seen a little bit on YouTube. Oh, hi. By the way, I'm T. This is Burning Tarot. This is your tarot reading approximately once a week podcast. We pull a tarot card. We investigate it. We hang out with it. We have a little reading. And we take a nature walk. That's just the Burning Tarot thingamajig that we do. We usually do it here in Central Oregon, West Coast, USA. So today's card you're going to be shocked to hear is the Wheel of Fortune. I've drawn it from the Golden Tarot. And there are multiple Golden Tarot decks out there in the world. This one is by an artist named Cat Black, the cat with a K. We use it a lot on Burning Tarot because I happen to dig it. I'm huffing and puffing because we are walking. We being me talking to you, I guess. You're walking with me. We are walking in oh, a couple inches of very dry, squeaky snow, which is draped over some really trippy ice. So every once in a while, the ice comes through and I feel like I'm going to fall down. Let us hope that does not happen here. And I've been thinking about change. Change. Why change? Well, change is the only constant. That's the old cliche, and I'm afraid it appears to be true. There's a lot about change that's difficult for people. And it can change depending on where we are in our lives. There was an era in my 20s when I embraced all change to the point of embracing chaos. Quite literally, there was some chaos magic to do. There was uh, <laughs> hanging out with Robert Anton Wilson and exploring the Principia Discordia and the uh, tagline of that semi-fake religion, which was Hail Eris, E-R-I-S. Eris being the goddess of Chaos, discord, conflict, wackiness. Eris has a sense of humor. Most of the people who are now discovering her and talking about her in the astrological world don't really seem to understand her super well. So I may get my act together and publish something about Eris soon. Um, Eris has become just of increased interest to astrologers recently. Ooh, you hear that ice under my feet? There's chaos for you. Just got a slippery slide. So that's one way of handling change where you just kind of go apeshit and dive right into it and put yourself in situations where change is big, obvious, possibly terrifying, frightening, stupid, um, but also fun. And I look back at my behavior then, which included, well, you know, those of you who are regular Burning Tarot listeners, you know that I have the bipolar disorder. So, there was some craziness happening. 
actual literal craziness. In addition to the weirdness that many American kids experience in their 20s, um, there's trauma, very typical types of trauma that happen to young women. So I was like, whatever, living in my car and driving around and having crazy ass adventures and meeting all kinds of fascinating people, including a bunch of astrologers who started teaching me astrology. And the previous year, I really started delving into tarot. So those moments of chaos can let in a lot of beauty. And that's change. Um... So, you know, that's one style of change. Like, whoa, I'm changing. Maybe I can't really deal with it. Um, except by diving in and going, woohoo! Um, that style of change is kind of like in a, in a fraternity movie, you know, animal house kind of thing. Um, you know, where's the, where's the kind of goofy John Belushi character? doing a cannonball into a swimming pool and they're getting themselves wet and they're getting everybody else wet and maybe if they're drunk they're doing this in a dangerous way and they don't really care and that's one way of approaching change in our lives whether we're looking at change as a collective or change in our individual lives and or changes in between right if you work in technology and a lot of my friends and clients do, you're in a, a big change in your industry right now. You might have been laid off. That's a tough change to handle. Or, you know, if you're at a startup, you might not have gotten your next round. And you might be working for free right now. I know at least one of you is doing that. Um, so that's a, a rough type of change to experience. And I want to extend some sympathy to you if you're in that kind of situation right now. It might be there's change in your family. Someone needs help. Someone has died. Uh, someone has decided to not talk to the family anymore. That kind of thing. Whoa! So change moves us around whether or not we're standing around waiting to embrace it or saying you know what, if we're all going to get wet anyway, I'm going to cannonball into that swimming pool first. If life's going to be chaos, I'm going to be a priestess of discord, heiress, and chaos. Ha ha ha, let's go. But a lot of us in our older age, in my case, my middle age, maybe we don't do that so much anymore. We don't want a cannonball dive into the pool. We may be taking care of other people. And we may develop some, some tendencies to watch out for others. We might develop heightened vigilance as the results of a pandemic, results of parenting small children. So the last thing we're gonna do is jump into a crowded pool after drinking a few beers and go, raw party dude. We're like, we're just trying to stay alive and keep other people alive. Often it kind of comes down to that. If we work in tech, we want to keep our job. If we have children, 
we want to keep them safe. That level of survival, that very base level of survival instinct, it's there for a reason. I used to be very fond of Bob Wilson, Robert Anton Wilson, whom I was fortunate to know for a while in the 90s. Very influential author for many of us. Uh, So I used to read Wilson and Timothy Leary, whom I also got to meet briefly. Um, And they would talk about, they would write about, too, kind of the nature of reality and how it's kind of maybe a little bit made up in many ways. And how our human being selves really operate. Uh, You could look at, like, you know, Maslow's Pyramid kind of a thing. They would really talk about how we construct reality, our view of what's real, of what we're experiencing, based on this kind of hierarchy. And at the very base of that is our simple survival needs. There were some cruel experiments done by scientists on monkeys and monkey babies, which I don't even like to think about, but these experiments showed what happens to one of our fellow mammals, one of our clan, you know, if you take them out of an environment of love. So bread is not enough. Not drowning in the pool is not enough. Having food, getting by, one of the basic survival instincts for us is actually love. Having family, having partners, having friends, having community. And when we're in a mode of hypervigilance, of protection of ourselves and those around us, Sometimes we forget that love is the main motivator. The main motivator isn't or perhaps just shouldn't be. I'm not sure I like that word, should, should not. But sometimes we're motivated by stasis, which is kind of being motivated by fear. We kind of think, well, I survived yesterday, and so did my kids or my congregation. My patients at the hospital or in the hospice. My friends, my loved ones, my parents. So that means I should do the exact same thing today that I did yesterday. Because it worked. We're all still alive. But sometimes we're kind of losing our vivaciousness. Our joie de vivre. Um, sometimes when change comes along, it just, (laughs) as we, as so many of us experienced in the pandemic, it just kicks our butt and we can't just bounce back and say, oh, I'm just rolling with the changes. When the big changes are rolling around us, we often cling to anything we can that doesn't change that can include ways of living that embrace change, ironically enough. So when I was younger and I did my whatever, crazy, crazy chaos living, part of that was, it was a way of feeling safe. 
to stop? You hear that? Ravens are calling to each other. Messenger birds. And while I'm at it, I'll let you know we have a mackerel sky. Don't get that often here. With some blue sky above it and a very nice moon. It's waxing, that moon. Hello, moon. So change comes along, knocks us on our butts, and sometimes we say, fine, is everything going to be crazy? Then I'm going to be fucking crazy too, ha ha. I'm jumping in the pool, and then I'm going to jump in my car and live in it and drive around the West Coast and do whatever I feel like. Right overhead. Hello, Raven. And it seems like that's embracing change, right? Because everything's going to be different every day. It's going to be so wild. But after, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months, you realize, oh, I'm actually in, I'm in a, a predictable routine of forcing daily change on myself through travel. Um, that's something I've enjoyed many times throughout my life. But I recognize, like, oh... You know, there are deeper kinds of change that I could make in other ways. And instead, you know, I'd rather just throw on this, this challenge of getting through a day when I'm not housed or I don't know where I'm going to be staying. And now I'm middle-aged, got kids, so I'm not eager to try that again. I did a few years ago. We lived in a little little tiny R-Pod trailer wandering around the West Coast and it was great fun. But not for too, too long. About nine months altogether. So change. Right now in the astrology world, people are talking a lot about change because of the eclipse cycle that we're in right now and the full moon cycle and the midpoint between them which is where Uranus is sitting Uranus 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 as you know I love all the pronunciations of all the words so yeah that planet of revolutionary change is sitting midway through the zodiac sign of Taurus. Now, Taurus is funny. Taurus is a fixed earth sign. So it's quite powerful and very connected to nature and the earth spirits and all that good stuff. But it's fixed nature. It's reputation for being a stubborn bull, like the bull is the symbol of Taurus. That's kind of somebody who doesn't dig change. You know, the bull or the cow wants to hang out in the pasture. And chew on some really yummy grass. And just kind of not have anybody mess with them. And Uranus is the great messer with her. (laughs) Messer with her? Like, what does that mean? That's its reputation, partly because... The planet was discovered in the um, late 18th century, discovered and named um, 
right between the American Revolution and the French Revolution. And I was listening to the astrologer Christopher Renstrom talk about this recently. And that's a nice way of contextualizing Uranus and its reputation for causing massive change, for causing or being there during a time when a society goes through massive change. And being in Taurus is really uh, fixed. Taurus is going, no, I don't want to change. And Uranus is going, all must change. I'll try to get out of the astrologies. I know some of you do not care for that. So let's get out of astrology. Just wanted to let you know there's this context of where the planets are right now. Of, of why change might seem so aggravating and constant and necessary and impossible. Uh, and Uranus entered Taurus. Oh, I'm not going to get the date right, so I'll skip it. But anyway, it's been a while. And certainly during these last few really chaotic years. And that point of change and the resistance to change is really being activated right now. So, change. Do we embrace it? Do we belly flop into the swimming pool of life? Do we put a little backpack on our backs, leave everything and everyone we know and love, and go hitchhiking and imitate On the Road by Jack Kerouac? I read that book when I was 14 years old after a hitchhiker came and stayed at our house. <laughs> My dad brought him home for Thanksgiving. That book had a huge influence on me. So that's one way of doing change is just saying like, screw it. If we're going to do change, let's do big change. Let's just, you know, embrace the chaos and the wackiness every day. Um, but most of us are probably in the position of trying to uphold and maintain our middle-class lives or our fringy, low-income, attempting-to-be-middle-class lives. Or for some of our listeners, um, they're a lot more secure in terms of wealth and property ownership and things like that. We do have quite a range um, among the listeners that, that I know about your situations, that we've corresponded or we're friends or you're one of my clients. So not everybody's in the same boat. But a lot of us are in America or in the UK. And a lot of us are facing with some dismay the sense that our society is really having a very, very hard time. And we want positive change. It seems like maybe some other people that we like to vote against don't want positive change but whichever side of an issue you're on there's a good chance that the other person thinks that you're <laughs> obstructing positive change that you're trying to hang on to something that doesn't work or you're trying to push too hard to make change come and everybody else is not ready to join you yet so this puts us in a strange position socially politically and sometimes in our personal lives. And that's, that's what I was thinking about when I drew a card for us to contemplate for this week. How do we navigate change? We know we can't 
not navigate change. And that was very evident from the pandemic. And I, and I think the lack of resilience that some of us felt like we displayed or that our whole society displayed resilience, resiliency. I don't remember how that word works. Anyway, in some ways we were very resilient and everybody deserves a pat on the back. If you made it through it at all, (laughs) good job, people. If you made it through and you're thriving, well, even better job. Nicely done. Some folks managed major life changes during that time or were, were moved on. We're kind of compelled by the difficulties brought by the height of COVID. You know, that was the motivator to make us make changes in our lives. Others of us, we were more kind of clinging on by our fingernails and going like, please don't let everything explode and be destroyed right now. I was more in that, that latter camp. But I know people who moved during that time, you know, moved house, found a new place to live. A lot of them moved to our community here near Sisters, Oregon. Um, There are people who had babies. There are people who ended relationships that maybe should should have been ended long before. There are people who... um, That feeling of crisis and change made them find their strength and opened them up to new possibilities, particularly faded possibilities which is what the Wheel of Fortune really speaks to. So what's a faded possibility? Well, uh, you know, how much do we believe in fate versus free will? Fascinating subject. Many theologians, philosophers, etc. have debated this for a long time. These days, quantum physicists also get into that argument. But from what some of them are saying, maybe we have a hell of a lot less free will than we think. I don't really know. I think about it too. Uh, I was raised in Christianity. And so I spent a lot of my childhood thinking about free will. Because that was something we talked about a lot in the sermons. Um, And also thinking about time and eternity. So, whatever you might think of Christianity, it definitely got me thinking about philosophical stuff starting at about age six. I appreciate that. So time, eternity, free will, we don't really know how these things work. We don't know how much the fates or the furies, the gods, the goddesses, the illusion of time passing, the, you know, astrological bodies. You know, is there a life story pre-written for you? What does your god or goddess say? Or maybe you're too cool to have gods and goddesses. What does nature have in store for you, for us? Is there some kind of march of history that we're just part of? And our modern, western, especially American, and it really any kind of white colonial mentality, there's so much in there that assumes that we're the ones who can make everything happen. You know, it's all about your individual work. Even if you're doing that work on behalf of others and on behalf of the collective, the us, it's still like, well, my decision, my will, I'm going to put it in my magic spell and set my intention for the new moon, and then I'm going to make this, this, and that happen. 
this, this activity can be very satisfying and it can produce results. But sometimes maybe it gives us the illusion that we're super duper important. That we're the ones making the wheel of life spin. Making the wheel of fate spin round and round. And when we pull the wheel of fortune, we are reminded (laughs) that it ain't all about us. It's not about just what we think we're doing, the influence we imagine we have, the choices we agonize over. Am I making the right choice? Am I doing the right thing? Am I picking the right career? Did I choose the right major in college? Heck, did I marry the right partner? Should I have moved to Northern California? Should I move to Alaska? You know, we place so much importance on our little selves as the the big star of the big show of our everyday lives. And, you know, and then some of us do a lot of activism, so then we also sort of project that out. You know, if we fail to be active enough, you know, Jerko over there is going to get elected again. Or this crummy law destroying the environment is going to get enacted over there. So I'm, I'm in favor of action. But sometimes we overdo it. Sometimes we imagine that we're more important than perhaps we are. Sometimes we fail to sit back and let fate scoot us around. It's really hard. You can look at that as receptive magic. So embodying our yin qualities or feminine qualities. I'd like to point out that that's not limited to any particular gender or or other or biological sex or whatever. Male and female, masculine and feminine are primal concepts and the energies really work through them very well. So it doesn't matter what gender you have or you're identifying with, or you used to, doesn't, none of that really matters. We all carry multiplicities of these energies. That's the basis of Western occultic magic, but Eastern stuff too, yin and yang, right? And this is how it rolls. And our culture is not super into the yin. Our culture is very yang. It's about action, moving forward, making stuff happen, you know, Uh, it's kind of a macho point of view and that can be useful when we pull the wheel of fortune though we are reminded that however cool action filled and macho we might be something is a heck of a lot stronger and bigger than us it could be the systems that run our world economic social, political, biological right right It could be Mama Nature herself, Mother Earth, bigger than us. Do you believe in a universe, a god, a goddess, a pantheon of gods and goddesses, a spinning wheel of fate? All of these things are much bigger than us. And dipping into the ability, dipping into the ability, (laughs) Um, being able to accept the movements of those things in our lives and maybe enjoy them, understand them, sit with them, lie with them, allow ourselves to be rocked in their arms. 
This is hard. And if you have a hefty meditation practice, you're probably a little bit better at at it than many of us. Um, A lot of art forms really allow us to be receptive. We're being active, like say singing. I'm a singer. And if I'm singing, particularly improvisational singing, voices are kind of coming out of me. So that's an action. But mainly, I'm doing a yin thing of quieting down and allowing myself to become a vessel so that the energies themselves, wherever those come from, whichever goddess you want to say is singing through me. I got to I got to chill out and tone down the ego and and let that energy shine through me. So when we pull the wheel of fortune, we uh, uh, some of the interpretations of this say you guys, this is a great week. A windfall is coming your way. Something positive is definitely going to happen. Unexpected typically. Out of nowhere, here comes something good. You know, you find 10 bucks on the sidewalk. Okay. The job you lost uh, suddenly comes back. Oh, okay. Um, sometimes it can be bad, too, though. <laughs> or it can be something where you don't know if this is going to be good or bad in the long term. All you know is that it has sort of... It's a messenger bird. It flies through your window. It brings you something. And your job is to accept it. Right? Our job is to be receptive with our yin selves, the part of ourselves that can receive blessings, that can receive good news, that can shut up long enough to listen to somebody deliver something that maybe we won't realize till later was good news or good advice. We have to chill out a little and allow room for mysterious energies to come into the room and give them space to sit down with us and inform us of what's going to happen next. Wheel of Fortune time, I mean, in general, it is positive and it's fun. It reminds us that everything doesn't have to be predictable, that we're not in charge of absolutely everything. When I was talking before about you know, our kind of individualistic, um, action-oriented, will- and intention-oriented world. I don't remember if I pointed out that that's a lot of responsibility. Not only are we missing out on some of the larger things that are going on in our woo-woo universe, you know, when we're super wrapped up in ourselves and our activity... You know, we miss out on on a lot of the energies in the woo. And if you know, like, really super spiritual people who refrain from a lot of action, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you can just talk to them for, like, two seconds. And, you know, I I always feel envious. I'm like, how do they do that? Because I'm more of a mundane person. I'm going to live an everyday life and raise kids and do the laundry. And I'm not going to be meditating on the hill forever. So I don't have that shimmering, iridescent spiritual quality. And I kind of envy it. I go, wow, that looks so cool. Um, And so that's something that they have access to. They gain that access 
by spending an enormous amount of time meditating or praying or being in nature um, and having to develop their kind of their antennae that let them be yin and and receive from the energies. So for those of us who don't do that as much, I mean, I do some, right? I'm out here in nature a great deal, and I consider my family bonds to be sacred. And a holiness comes from the simple service of housewifery, <laughs> you know, certainly being a mom. Um, and my writing work has its satisfactions as well. But it's not like super far out there, ultra spiritual, right? At least not on the surface. So when we're doing our action-oriented, do this, do that lives, that's just to think of ourselves that way as being so responsible for everything that happens in our lives and in the lives of everyone around us is laying a huge, huge head trip on ourselves. That's, that's maybe too much. Wheel of Fortune relieves us of this responsibility. It's not saying, hey, fate is so wacky, therefore, you should, you know, belly flop in the pool, go live in your car and take a bunch of psychedelics like I did when I was 23. Magic 23. You know, fine, I did that then. How can I interpret this now? What does the Wheel of Fortune want to bring me today? Ooh, spiky ice under my feet. The Wheel of Fortune today is bringing me the sunset right now. A little yellow, a little orange on the undersides of the clouds. The sun's heading down. Little airplanes going by overhead. Ravens are in the woods. It's beautiful. It's beautiful and the sunshine is returning. Happy in bulk. Happy Breed's Day. Happy St. Bridget's Day and Candlemas. This is the hinge of the wheel, the wheel of the year, where we're halfway between winter solstice and spring equinox, vernal equinox. So it's really, you know, it's noticeable. The sun is coming back. The light is coming back. And uh, so people celebrate it on different days. So, um, but anyway... If you're celebrating it, enjoy that. Um, and just that whole, we're, we're talking about change. The wheel of the law, the wheel of life, the wheel of the year, all of these different wheels, wheels within wheels a turning, remind us that we are in a state of constant change. Even when things aren't obvious or difficult or or the change isn't radical. You know, the sun is making longer days up here in the northern hemisphere. That's change. And, you know, by next fall, the opposite will be happening. We'll be having shorter days and less sunshine. These changes, they're just going to happen with or without us. Without us obsessing about them. Without us imagining that it's our responsibility to make them happen. You know, if you skip solstice, if you skip in bulk, the sun 
doesn't care. <laughs> Maybe the sun spirit appreciates it if you acknowledge them in a ritual. But the sun's going to do their thing regardless. And that's nice. That's nice for us to know. Change is coming. We can be receptive instead of action-oriented, trying to ignore everything, or reactive. We can, we can sit with change. We can understand that we're part of it, and we do have a part to play. And it's good of us to work toward the greater good. But there's more to it than that. It's not just that. So I really like this card, Wheel of Fortune. Um, expect the unexpected. Look for chances to really be receptive to other people, to the woo energies that are out there. And um, we're about to have a full moon. That's a nice time for, for things to kind of naturally reach some kind of climax or um, manifestation. You don't have to push them. The full moon kind of shines a big old light on certain mysteries. And we don't have to ask it to. It's the moon. It's going to do that, regardless of what we put on our altar. So maybe we should just kind of enjoy that, hang out with it. See what comes our way. Listen, listen to the ravens as they caw and craw <laughs> at your door, along your window, in your forest. So, yippity yay, I'm huffing and puffing. I hope you have enjoyed this rather lengthy burning tarot expedition into the snow, into the sun, into a realm of change and inevitability. And I'm talking about Uranus earlier. It's considered the planet of revolution. And as the writer and astrologer Christopher Renfrom points out, the word revolution, you know, it's about revolving. It didn't used to mean, here's the, you know, you say you want a revolution. You know, it didn't used to be about chopping people's heads off with guillotines and firing rifles and starting a new country. It, it used to mean that things revolve. And where you drop something off, it'll come back again at the end of its cycle. So, so that's another way to look at change, right? We talked about the wheel of the year. We've got these wheels revolving. And this card, it's the wheel of fortune. What do wheels do? They spin around, they revolve. Whether that turns into actual revolution, you know, the, the new definition of revolution could be. But be, becoming aware that we're part of that, that roly-poly energy, uh, that in itself, I think, can be a relief. Because we can see, oh, I'm, I'm part of the seasons, but I'm not making the seasons happen. I am not the sun or the moon. I'm just a little person right down here on this planet. And so working with grace, living with grace and receptivity might make for a nice change for a week or two. And I hope you enjoy this time. 
if you're new and well if you've been here a while you know that I really love to hear your comments on on the podcast uh, on how our card or what I've said about the card how the readings are resonating with your lives or if they're not resonating I can hear that too I can take it so be sure to let me know what's up with you keep it to a couple sentences or I'll get overwhelmed you can send those to burningtarot at gmail.com and I do truly love to hear from you those of you who signed up to uh, test out the new um, spread the five card spread I'm sorry I'm lagging on that I'll get back to you, I promise. Anyone who wants to be part of that, who hasn't joined in the fun, um, just email me, burningtarot at gmail.com. Say you want to test out the five-card spread. And um, it's free, so you'll be helping me develop this spread based on Susan Prince and some cards that she came up with that are really cool so far. Uh, And you'll get kind of a free reading as we explore your cards together. And we'll just kind of test that out for a couple months. Uh, And I don't know when I'll get back to everybody. But hopefully it'll be soon. Much love to y'all. I'm T.